this is actually why a lot of um, high-end wineries will make second wines and uh, will do their best to cover up that they made it. Uh, because you have so many grapes and then what happens is if you have uh, this surplus of grapes then it's going to make uh, your grape uh, cheaper right more affordable it's flooding the market or your juice is not as a, as um, as um, profitable anymore right there's just so many more wine options out there so, so what do you mean by second wines like they have a, a second label from weekly rm it's beyond the aisles with nick castro a show about the dreamers, innovators, and a product's long and winding road to make it in between your favorite aisles. What exactly is vintage and does it matter at all? Well, let's take for example two wines, both made from the same vineyard, the same varietal, and made with the same techniques. That's right, they're going to taste quite different from one another. This ultimately affects the price, the availability, and whether or not you're buying a bottle or stocking up on an entire case. But why is that? Sommelier Juan Yamas guides us through the wonderful world of wine and helps us break down the basics, which may seem confusing at first, but will leave you feeling confident next time you crack open that wine list and have to decide on dinner pairings for the table. Our guest today is Sommelier Juan Yamas. Juan, can you give us a quick intro and just tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I'll try and be as succinct as possible. Thanks for having me, Nick. Um, so my background is actually uh, nonprofit work. I uh, was in the nonprofit world for 12 plus years, <clears throat> doing everything from direct service uh, with youth and families in underserved communities, all the way to foundational support. So uh, towards the latter part of my career, I was responsible for fundraising. Um, and that's actually how I was uh, introduced to wine. Um, and uh, I had to go to a lot of schmoozy events and schmooze with people and uh, make recommendations. I had to gift stuff. Um, and I had to, in a nutshell, know what I was drinking and why I was drinking it. Those must have been some pretty nice fundraisers because a lot of the ones that I've been to, they're serving house wine or something the hotel bar is just trying to run through. There, there was a lot of that. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of that, and, and uh, which is why... Uh, slight segue when I first met my who is now my wife I showed up with one of those bottles that I tasted at a at a, one of those functions a nice six dollar bottle and I was I was uh, pretty much laughed at uh, and so the combination of uh, this girl I was dating who's now my wife trying to uh, impress her and knowing that was better stuff out there at other functions kind of changed my palate uh, but yeah I was going to a lot of schmoozy events and um, I did my own little research, YouTubed a lot, uh, read a lot of books, uh, and it started forming my, my other passion. So while I was doing this, um, you know, which I'm still really much passionate about helping others that need help, um, I was just learning more about wine and wanted to get lost in the glass, so to speak. And so <clears throat> about four years ago, I decided to take a step back from the nonprofit world. Uh, you know, it's a really grind culture, which kind of can lead to cynicism in my opinion. And so I, I decided to take a step back from that. And uh, I said, hey, let's let's see what this uh, wine industry is all about. And so I, I applied for a part-time position and um, came with some awesome perks and surrounded myself with a lot of passionate folks. And here I thought I knew a lot about wine and then I met others and I, I immediately was reminded that I know zero 
and I still do, uh, you know, it's all relevant. Right. And so, uh, or relative, I should say. And so, um, Within the last four years, uh, I've grown and, and now I'm a, a wine manager for Total Wine, which is the largest independently owned uh, alcoholic beverage store in the U.S. with 200 plus stores and still growing. And so uh, as a wine manager, my responsibility is essentially sales and service, um, knowing uh, what uh, bottles we have, uh, the education uh, aspects, so knowing producers, regions. Um, which is where my whole sommelier training came from. Um, and, and that's where I am now. Total Wine has a reputation for having the nation's best wine selection with like an emphasis on fine wines. But do you also carry some of these $6 bottles? We do. Yeah, we carry everything. And um, I always tell people that um, there, I say two things. One, there's a bottle of wine for everyone and for every palate and for every budget. And uh, my job is to be that guy. So, Nick, if you show up to the store and you only have $5 in your pocket, I'm going to find the best $5 uh, bottle of wine that I think you deserve. Uh, and conversely, if you show up with more than that, um, which people have, right, uh, I'm going to do the same. And so uh, at the end of the day, whether you're spending a dollar or thousands of dollars, I'm going to give you the best experience I possibly can. Um, and I will say, Nick, I have uh, sacrificed my palate. I, uh, because I still have connections with the nonprofit world, um, I know that a lot of nonprofits buy in bulk and they buy a lot of the more affordable stuff. So in the course of two weeks, I drank every $5 and under red wine, bubbly and white wine that we carry. Uh, and literally pick the best of the bunch. And so now when folks come and they want an affordable white wine, there's a really delicious $2.50 uh, white wine that's out there um, that's not going to taste like swill. And so um, uh, there is a budget for everything. We do carry that. And uh, I believe at the moment, one of the most expensive bottles that we carry is about $8,000. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty steep. Now, uh, now, those that are buying an $8,000 bottle, I have to ask, are they buying a bottle or are they buying a case? So, uh, both. Now, the most expensive uh, customer that I've, I've worked with and in one shopping experience, meaning they came in um, and they, they literally just said, Juan, uh, I need your help. Uh, what do I get uh, before taxes? they dropped about $79,000. Uh, wow. Yeah. After taxes, it was a little bit closer to eighty-six, uh, $86,000 debit card. Um, help him load it to his car. And it was a, it was a Prius. And so it was, <laughs> it was, it was a small little Prius loaded with this, with wine that was double the value of his car. Um, that is the most experience, the, the most expensive uh customer that I've worked directly with. Now, uh, I would say on average, uh, people will spend about two to $4,000. Um, and these are just bottles that, hey, I'm having people come over. Um, and on average, they're spending about five to $600 a bottle uh, on wine. Wow. Now that's okay. That's on average. But tell me, what's your process for going about? And if somebody comes <laughs> in and says, hey, you know, I know that I enjoyed a couple of bottles that I had. I can't tell you what it was that I tried. Um, can you help me find something that I can either have for myself, use to impress on a date or take to a party? 
I, I get that a lot or I get um, it, you know, the label was like this and they're very vague about it. Right. <laughs> and so then I'm trying to rack my brain with what, what, yeah. what does it match? But <clears throat> it was in a bottle. <laughs> yeah. It was red. Uh, I know I liked it. And so Nick, if you came into the store, you said, I have no idea where to start. I would say, all right. Um, you know, red or white. Uh, so let's, let's play this out, Nick, red or white. Red. Cool. Uh, what type of uh, flavors do you like? Uh, blackberry, plum, or m lighter flavors? Cranberry, uh, raspberry notes. Uh, blackberry, jammy, and smoky. Okay, cool. Now, uh, what's your budget? What are you looking to spend today? Let's go with 50. Cool. What are you having for dinner? Okay, let's make this interesting. Uh, Victoria, my wife's vegetarian, but I'll be having a bone-in ribeye and she'll have a cauliflower steak. Uh, we'll of course have some grilled veggies like rainbow carrots and asparagus. And I'd be lying if I didn't say we were also gonna split a pasta. Okay, that sounds amazing. I'm already jealous uh, of your dinner, but um, it, going that route and what you're looking for, I, I would probably do, are you interested in experimenting today? Trying maybe a varietal? Cool. I'm going to say let's try uh, either uh, a Carminier or a Tanat. And these two varietals aren't necessarily well known, uh, but they offer that full body. They'll have a little bit of that smoke. They'll, depending on the producer, they'll have that jamminess. But they're really going to play really well with uh, one, your ribeye steak and her roasted grilled veggies. Um, the there's just enough body that it is going to complement both and now that's that's a big um that's the big uh difficult thing about this right is that you're you're pairing this with a meat which is going to be bolder and more flavorful than grilled veggies and so you have to find a wine that's going to complement both and finally i would also throw in a pinotage just why not pinotage is uh, what South Africa is known for, um, and it definitely has that nice, beautiful uh, vanilla, smoked vanilla, almost flavor uh, that's going to pair really nicely with both with both dishes. Okay, now see, all three of those are wines that I've never had or tasted. We've definitely never tried anything from the South African region, and we've been playing it pretty safe and staying closer to regions and the types of wines that we're familiar and, and a lot more comfortable with. So, like South America, Italia, a little bit of Spain, uh, and honestly, Victoria's not found a good French wine that she likes. And, you know, to be honest, we really don't know why that is. Um, we tend to also drink more red than we do white. So uh, if I were one of your regulars, um, where and what bucket would you put me into? I mean, you already, so old world wine is essentially any European winemaking region. New world wine is anything outside of that. So Argentina, Uruguay, the US, that's all new world. But because you mentioned Italian, um, which is very different, um, I would say you you will find a, a great, delicious, tasty French wine. Um, I would follow up and ask, how long are you often letting these French wines that you're tasting breathe? Uh, that is a big piece, is that a lot of these old world winemaking regions are making wine. That one is supposed to be uh, paired with food. Secondly, um, I mean, specifically Bordeaux, we have wines that can go 20, 30 plus years. You know, the oldest um, French wine I had was last year it was a 1966 Lafitte, which was wow. uh, 55 years old. Um, and it still had a nice, uh, you know, uh, it could go maybe two, three more years. So 
because of that, I would push back and say, how, are, how long are you letting them breathe for? And then secondly, because you, you mentioned that you drink a lot of Argentine wine, I would assume it's Malbec. So then I would, yeah. I would go with something that's probably a little bit more uh, similar to that, maybe like a Gamay from uh, the Beaujolais region. And I think you would, you would probably be surprised at, at how delicious and how affordable it is. If you have $20 in your pocket, <clears throat> uh, uh, skip California, go to uh, Italy, France, or Spain. Okay, first of all, guilty as charged. Uh, we do have decanters at home, but I no, we hardly ever use them unless we're actually having people over, and it's you know we're trying to have like a dinner party or some sort of experience or it's a birthday or special occasion. So that's probably our number one problem. Um, we also definitely are not paying enough attention to our pairings. So is I mean, what do you recommend? Is there a cheat sheet or a guide or what's your go-to strategy? What would you recommend? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to say that, uh, this is why you have to prioritize your drinking and plan around your drinking, because I know you can be very impatient when, when using a decanter. Um, I'm a nerd, so I will literally pour myself uh, a glass and I will take sips every 30 minutes to figure out the opening point. Uh, but that's the nerd in me. Uh, typically, um, if I want to have a drink while I'm cooking, I will pour my, my, my wine into my decanter and I will drink a beer while I wait for it. So, wow. you know, you got to plan ahead for these drinking uh, opportunities, Nick. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to pairing, uh, light with light, full with full. Uh, and when it's all uh, said and done and you have uh, no other ideas, go with bubbles. Uh, so <clears throat> what you want to do is you want wine and food to be complementary to each other, right? And you never want either the food to overwhelm the wine or vice versa. So things like uh, lighter meats uh, or lighter, lighter styles of food, thinking of like chicken and salmon, uh, veggie dishes, they're going to pair beautifully with things like Pinot Noir, um, you know, some Beaujolais, so your lighter style of reds, uh, and definitely your Chardonnays and white wines. Now, uh, your fuller, uh, I think fuller, more depth flavors uh, your meat-based flavors, uh, those are going to pair well with medium to full bodies. So think Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, uh, those, those Zinfandels as well. Um, so I would say just kind of uh, think of light, lighter uh, colors will go with lighter type of foods and deeper, fuller colors will go with fuller flavors. And as I mentioned earlier, when, uh, when all else fails, go with bubbles. Bubbles, uh, specifically, I'm a big fan of champagne. Um, now, Nick, do you know why, uh, what makes a true champagne? Is it that it comes from the region of France? The, specifically the, from champagne. The champagne. Mm-hmm. Yep, correct. So um, I'm a big lover of champagne. It is the uh, nor- most northern region in France, and it is a place like no other where... Uh, the temperatures all uh, go really well uh, with the type of soil, which is uh, clay. And uh, you get a lot of uh, acidity and salinity in the soil. So uh, you need those things when it comes to bubbles. Now, uh, bubbles, uh, specifically champagne, will cleanse your palate, especially when you're eating greasier foods. So, Nick, you eat meat. Anytime you feel the hankering for, uh, you know, chili cheese fries from the hat or Kentucky fried chicken, that nice fried greasy chicken, pair it with a nice uh, brute champagne and uh, you are, you're in heaven. 
See, uh, now, that, now that is that is amazing because I don't think people really think of wine as something that you can pair with most foods. You know, my impression is that most people think, oh, it's bougie. But from, you know, pairing it with fried chicken, you can be bad and bougie, right? Bad and boozy is what I say. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, you can dress stuff up and dress stuff down all the time. Uh, one of the more popular classes that I've taught in the past is um coming to like the the thanksgiving season uh i've paired things from uh you know praline pecan pie to uh, tamales to uh menudo and pozole so uh anything and everything out there can be paired and are you gonna hit a home run all the time no uh, you know, but that's, that's like a good chef, you know, when you know that some seasons and some toppings didn't just play out so well, you try again. We do have Valentine's Day coming up right around the corner. So if you were to, let's, I don't know, imagine you're preparing a dish and look, you don't have to give it away just in case your wife's listening. But if you were to surprise her with a nice dinner pairing, um, you really want to hit it out of the park. Um, what would be your process for going about that? Um, so we, we, we don't really, the way we celebrate, uh, she already knows what we're going to have for dinner because we, we do pizza all the time. Uh, it started off from, from when we were dating and now that we have children, you know, we make Valentine's day, uh, pizza night. And so, uh, it is always pizza and Syrah for us. Syrah is just a beautiful, gorgeous, full bodied wine, depending on where you're getting it from. Uh, you have those nice dense fruits, blackberry plum with uh, a nice little herbaceousness sometimes. So think of um, green bell pepper that pr plays really nicely with like veggie pizza. Uh, we get veggie pizza with pepperoni on it. Uh, and so it just is a beautiful, beautiful combination. Um, but if let's just say this year I wanted to be uh, a great doting husband and surprise her with like a nice, uh, you know, bone and ribeye dinner, with uh you know your zucchini and your broccoli and your mashed potato on the sides i would probably go with uh a nice cab just a, a nice quintessential napa cab uh where the alcohol is in balance with the fruit um, and i typically would probably go with something that uh, comes from the 2012 vintage because that is the year that we were married so um <laughs> That's probably what I would pair it with, to be honest. Um, and if I was, if for some reason, I forgot when Valentine's Day was, uh, I would just uh, take a, a bottle of champagne from the fridge and pop that open. Because again, as I mentioned, you never fail with bubbles. And uh, every, every dish that is on your table is dying to be paired with a bottle of wine. Um, you know, whether it's spicy, fun, spicy ramen. Oh, that screams, uh, uh, you know, Gr Gruner Feltlina or Riesling. Uh, or if it's, as I mentioned earlier, chili cheese fries from the hat. Oh, champagne, man. Champagne. Okay. So pizza and Syrah, chili cheese fries and champagne, <laughs> fried chicken and champagne. Do you have a couple other, like just quick and easy parries that you can throw out? Yeah. Um, uh, when it comes to, to, uh, salmon and turkey, uh, those lighter fares, I would do Pinot Noir or, uh, Gamay, anything from Beaujolais, um, you know, anything, uh, I like to have fun as well. So I, I'm often thinking about what I would pair, um, you know, shrimp tacos or uh, fish tacos with guacamole and lime. Oh, that screams Gruner Feltliner or it screams Sancerre, Sauvignon Blanc from the Sancerre region of France. Um, 
carnitas, right? If you're making carnitas, uh, tacos, that, that uh, tends to have higher salinity, right? It's salty. Uh, yeah, you definitely want uh, a palate cleansing white wine, like a peak pool. Uh, so uh, I'm consistently, you know, I'm not a really good cook, but um, uh, I always approach uh, wine pairing with cooking. Right. Oftentimes you're following a recipe, but your gut's telling you, I got to add the cilantro because the cilantro is going to make everything else pop. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing with wine. You know, you're you're tasting, you're you're smelling things and you just know it needs, you know, it needs a ribeye. It needs uh, roasted veggies. It needs my mom's tamales uh, for me, for this wine to really pop. And so, you know, your, your brain's just always at work. And for that one person maybe listening and, uh, you know, a little bit timid about walking into a grocery store and the wine aisle um, and just getting lost in all of the labels and the varieties and the regions, you know, what's, uh, what, what are some quick tips you can offer for them? I would say that um, uh, we all start somewhere. I am grateful to now be a sommelier and I'm still pursuing accreditation and certifications with different uh, trusts uh, like the uh, Society of Wine Educators and the uh, WSET programs. And, you know, I started drinking five, six dollar bottles of wine and we all start somewhere. And what opened the doors for me was realizing you know, I need to connect with people who know more than I do. And I still do that. I would say, uh, go to a wine shop and talk to people, you know, um, get people to know what your likes and dislikes are. Uh, when people come to me and oftentimes they come back, they'll, they'll say, Hey, I really like that wine. Or I didn't like that wine. And I, I will ask why. And so I always tell folks, you know, my, if I've done my job right, you're going to come back and say, Juan, what else you got for me? So the more you do that, the more I'm going to learn your palate. And then the more I know, you know, I'm sipping this glass, oh, Kurt's going to love this. Or, oh man, Nick's going to enjoy this because I know your palates, right? So I would say uh, support uh, your local wine shop, um, let them get to know you and your dislikes and likes, or, um, you know, start, start, writing what you like and don't like about certain wines. Um, you mentioned Vivino earlier. Uh, Vivino is a great app. It's a free app. I consistently use it for my wine journaling. I just jot down the, uh, what I thought about a particular wine. Uh, but what's great about this free app is that um, it will then make suggestions for you to try. So if you want to explore um, and start somewhere, I would say download the Vivino app. By the, by the way, I'm not affiliated with them at all. Uh, but download the Vivino app, um, start your wine journaling, and the app itself will start giving you recommendations uh, based on not just your palate, but your budget as well. Awesome. Awesome. And you had another um, website that you mentioned um, you wanted to share with uh, with our audience, uh, Seller Tracker? Yeah. So Seller Tracker is a little bit more serious. Seller um, Tracker is great for two things. One, um, for keeping track of what you have in your collection. At the moment, I have about 200 different bottles of wine. Um, and of those, I have maybe about 75 that I'm long-term aging, meaning um, I'm saving for 20 plus years. Um, I have some birthier wines for uh, for my eldest who was born in 2015. <laughs> um, great vintage year, by the way. So he got lucky. Um, but I have a few wines that I'm aging for when he turns 21. 
um, ha- have a few 2012s that I, I, I'm aging so that, you know, my wife and I have something to celebrate when we hit 20 years. Um, and so I use seller tracker to manage what I have, um, when I purchased it and it gives you drinking windows. So the common misconception is that all wine is good to age. The reality is, um, about 98% of wine is made for you to drink within the next two to three years. Um, and so, um, that is a big misconception. Most wine is made for you to pop and pour. Uh, the other two to 1% is your long-term aging. And those suckers can go from anywhere from 50 to 30 plus years, uh, depending on the varietal and the region and the producer. And so seller tracker is really good for, uh, as the name suggests, tracking your seller. And the other thing too, is, um, it, it functions like the vino where reviewers or people will give their comments on the wine, but will also say, Hey, this wine isn't ready yet. Give it two or give it five or give it 10 more years for you to enjoy this wine. Wow. So you're, you're, yeah, you weren't kidding when you said that you plan around drinking, right? I mean, <laughs> it's not just today and tomorrow's meal. We're talking about <laughs> birthdays and anniversaries. That is uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think that uh, one of the beautiful things about wine and what I love about it is that it marries my my previous profession of the nonprofit work, which was at the end of the day all about people, right? Connecting with people. It was this kinship of, hey, I'm here with you. Um, and wine for me is still that. It, it is still, I'm here with you. Um, only this time I'm here with you and I have a bottle of wine. Um, and uh, it's, it's about kinship. It's about connecting. And I honestly believe that a bottle of wine is, is a work of art. Um, it says so much about what was happening that year. You know, uh, if I open up 10 years from now, if I open up a bottle of, uh, of wine and the vintage is 2020, well, 2020 was a pretty remarkable year for the entire world, right? And so it's going to uh, make me time travel back to 2020 uh, and not only think about the hardships and the resi- resilience we had to have, but um, the good that came from 2020, which was, you know, I made more time for family and such and such. And so um, I, I think uh, at the end of the day, wine is all about connecting with the person that's in front of you um, and knowing how we're similar um, as opposed to how we're different. That's true. That's true. Now you mentioned the 2012 vintage because that, that has, you know, a memory and pulls at your heartstrings, mm-hmm. but um, for everybody else, what do the, the vintage years have to do with, uh, with anything? How would you be able to explain, explain that to them? So vintage is uh, a weather report. Essentially it's uh, just what was happening in that year. Um, and so oftentimes people will say, Oh, 2015 was a great vintage 2018 classic vintage. And so those 2015 and 2018 are classic vintages. And that just means that uh, all that was supposed to go well, went well. Um, so, uh, you know, there was the right amount of rain, a right amount of sunshine, the grapes ripened uh, for their proper amount. And um, it, it doesn't happen too often. And so, um, you know, essentially in a nutshell, a vintage just means this is what's happening this year. Oh, that's very interesting. In my early days, I spent a lot of time on the produce side. And when I moved into some of my other buying roles, the produce teams were always a very big part of the store's identity. 
And to this day, I remember walking into our produce director's office when I was at Gilson's and being blown away by all the notebooks that he had. Essentially, he had by day, by region, weather conditions, and how that was affecting the crops and yields. And so he used that to forecast and plan for the week and the coming weeks because he knew that if the weather is this temperature or if this region gets this much rain, we're going to be short on this, so there's going to be an excess in that. And he used that to not only plan for in-store sales, but also a lot of the negotiating on the back end. An example of that is with cauliflower. After you get these foggy mornings when it's been kind of wet and cold and suddenly the sun comes in and you've got uh, real hot days that follow, what that does is it makes the heads really big. And so then you've got bigger heads flooding the market, which actually means the price drops. And so it was very, very interesting because people don't realize how much science goes behind it and how much of a lack of control buyers actually have. So it's nice to see that, you know, it, there's kind of like a similar relationship on the wine side. Well, so to, to that point, um, this is actually why a lot of um, high-end wineries will make second wines and uh, will do their best to cover up that they made it. Uh, because you have so many grapes. And then what happens is if you have uh, this surplus of grapes, then it's going to make uh, your grape uh, cheaper, right? More affordable. It's flooding the market or your juice is not as, a, as, um, as um, profitable anymore, right? There's just so many more wine options out there. So, so what do you mean by second wines? Like they have a, a second label? Yeah, correct. So like uh, how Lexus and Toyota is the same brand. Lexus is the, uh, the luxury brand and Toyota is the everyday model. Right. Uh, it's the same thing for wineries. And so uh, they'll do either two things. They will create a second label. Um, so for example... Uh, Camus, uh, which is a very famous, really well-known winery owned by the Wagner family. Uh, they're probably going to be on most wine lists and it's, it's one that you can find at most retailers. Uh, you know, they make a whole slew of other wines, but I would say that their second label to Camus is this wine called 1858. And so uh, oftentimes uh, either the grapes in terms of quality that aren't uh, meeting the standards to go into their Camus bottle will go into their 1858 bottle. Uh, and then other times what they'll do is they'll create uh, a wine that is um, <clears throat> has no names attached uh, and associated to them. So, um, you know, they're, they're then essentially selling uh, what would be an $80 bottle for $20, $30 bottle, uh, 30, $20, $30. And so, um, so that you're not seeing, so you're not thinking, wow, why am I paying $80 when I can buy this one for 20 to 30? And it's the same producer. At the end of the day, most of these um, wineries, it's, it's still made by the same people. Um, so, you know, uh, Philip Titus, who works for Chapelet, um, about two, three years ago, he got a hundred point wine for uh, Chapelet Pritchard Hill. Um, and he's the same winemaker who makes this $35 wine called Andronicus. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand these uh, winemakers are fanatical, right? And so whether they're making a, a $30 bottle of wine or a hundred plus dollar bottle of wine, their name is attached to that. And, you know, wine is an art, right? And so they want to make sure that whatever they make and create and is out there um, has their fingerprint on it. So, yeah, I, I would say look out for some second labels. Some of them are, are awesome. Okay. So the weather has a lot to do with it. Now, what was the impact of the, you know, the current pandemic that we're still very much living through? 
on the alcoholic industry and how did you see that affect you know your own store sales and uh, maybe some of these wine classes that you mentioned and you know just the industry overall yeah so um so specifically for total wine um and specifically for the store that i work for we went pre-pandemic um i would say on a good day on a good busy you know weekend uh we would probably average anywhere from 40 to 50 um curbside sales or digital sales right and so um it kept our staff busy but not nothing crazy now uh when stay at home uh, orders passed and there were shutdowns and uh, you know, from restaurants to bars, we started experiencing four to 500 uh, digital orders on mm -hmm. a random Saturday. And we're not talking about like, you know, it's a holiday weekend. It's a three day weekend because those no longer really existed anyway. Right. Uh, everyone was staying at home. We, we, we were flooded. Um, uh, and, and to the point where we had to hire more folks. And so this wow. is actually a trend that was seen uh, across the board. Uh, there are smaller independent bottle shops in the LA County and Orange County area that had to hire up uh, to meet the curbside and digital sales market. Um, it was just unprecedented. And so uh, we saw that definite increase of, of people buying at home. And uh, that that trend still continues. People are still buying from home. Um, and what we've seen and, you know, the statistics uh, state is that there has been an increase of alcohol consumption at home. There was a 20% increase, if I remember correctly, um, you know, between March uh, to September of 2020 where um, there was a 20% increase, which correlated to about $42 billion of, of alcohol sales. And at that same uh, instance, uh, there was a 20% decrease at bars and restaurants. So uh, this trend really hit uh, the bars and restaurants the hardest. Um, people wanted to drink at home, obviously. Right. And the other thing too, is that there were closures. So people couldn't go to these places to drink. Now, uh, what we've discovered is people, uh, want to not just drink, but they want to know what's in their glass. So we've seen an increase in people wanting to take classes, people wanting to, uh, make their own cocktails at home. Uh, people want to support these smaller independent wineries, and, and really support wines that wineries that are, are doing it sustainably. Uh, overall, in general, I think there's this big push for wanting to know more about uh, what's in their glass. Uh, so they're no, no longer just seeking a buzz from alcohol. They're seeking a buzz for, from knowledge. Wow. Uh, and so uh, another th interesting thing is uh, people literally want to just know more. Um, I've, I've been uh, sought after to provide these digital wine classes and, and I've been able to do that. And, uh, you know, I teach from home and oftentimes, uh, we, we, I will settle down with a client and, uh, we talk about what they want to do and what they want to experience and we'll schedule some time and, you know, we'll zoom a whole wine class out for them and, you know, 11, 12 of their friends and they're at home comfortably and they're learning, they're learning about Burgundy and, and so on and so forth. That's cool. And how, how does, 
you know, I, I guess just talk talk us a little bit through that because you're it's it's digital, it's over Zoom. Do they have wine that they're tasting, or is it very much like a class where you're looking at notes and taking a test at the end? Uh, uh, so we uh, oftentimes um, what I'll do is I will uh, connect with the client and they will either purchase the wine uh, for for their friends and then uh, I will put it into little sampler vials so that each customer can get a glass or a glass and a half of the wine uh, prior to to us all meeting or uh, I create a list of fairly fairly easy wines to locate at a retail and the customer can um, select which ones they want to you know taste during the the class and so we do that. It's it's as nerdy as you want it to be. And so uh, <laughs> my job is uh, I'm really just a, a a guide is to get a pulse of uh, the room. And so um, I can I can talk you know oak barrels and I can talk about uh, you know process of winemaking or I can literally just talk about you know, why I prefer this label over the other, because this label has, you know, beautiful colors on it. Um, and so it's, it's, it's really to um, what the crowd is looking for. Awesome. And is there, um, is there a, a right way to sip? Um, there are ways that um, there are things that you can do that I will silently judge you for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will never ever uh, tell you that what you're doing is right or wrong. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, wine is just juice made from grapes, right? Um, when it's all said and done, I always tell this people, you know, the, the one of the most expensive wines I've ever had was an $8,000 bottle. Um, and it was a beautiful, amazing experience. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a liquid that you're eventually going to pee out, right? Um, so uh, let's not be over snobbish about it. But, uh, you know, you put ice in your wine. Hey, you put ice in your wine. Am I going to do that? Uh, no. Uh, am I going to silently judge you for it? Yes. Uh, but um, the tip, I would say that the, the quote unquote proper way that you should be drinking your wine is... Um, you know, use, use a nice, uh, uh, stemmed wear glass that, uh, that has a nice bowl shape because that's important for air. Uh, your red wine specifically will, will need some air, um, and put your red wine in your fridge for 15 minutes, uh, put it in the fridge for 15 minutes before you're going to drink it. And then, uh, before you drink your white wine, after you've pulled it out of the fridge, let it rest for 15 minutes before you serve it. So it's this 15 minute buffer. I always tell folks that we drink our red wine too warm and we drink our cold wine, uh, our, our white wine too cold. So um, give it this 15 minute buffer um, and, and you'll notice it and, and experiment with it. You'll notice that different temperatures will give off different aromas. Uh, wine is a living thing that is consistently evolving. And so uh, if you want to not necessarily experience wine the right way, but if you want to experience wine in a way that you're going to be on this journey, um, you know, have the, the a stemware, uh, you know, give it the air that it needs. Every wine will benefit from 15, 20 minutes of air. Uh, and this means, you know, pouring into your glass, your glass is its own decanter. 
and then um, getting lost in the glass. And uh, is a STEM a must? In, in my opinion, yes. Uh, the only time I, I think I own a few stemless and um, I really only break those out when uh, I've run out of stem uh, glasses. I, I think it's a must because your body temperature affects the temperature of the glass. Mm -hmm. And so if you're holding your, your stemless glassware with your hands, uh, you're consistently impacting the way that that tastes. And so uh, stem glassware, uh, you, you have that control a little bit more so. Interesting. Interesting. So Juan, what are some of your favorite wines? Um, that's a loaded question. I drink seasonally. And so, um, you know, if it's colder months, uh, winter, I tend to go for bigger bodied, fuller bodied wines, everything from Napa Cab to Cabernet Franc. Uh, Cabernet Franc for me is an underappreciated wine. And I always tell folks that Cabernet Franc tends to have higher alcohol. It tends to have sturdier tannins. And it, when you drink it, you tend to have these flavors of brown sugar, um, oak, blackberry, vanilla, a uh, little bit of mocha and chocolate. Um, and as you're tasting this 14%, 14.5% wine, it really feels like you have this nice warm blanket around you. Mm. Um, and so um, it's great for, for the winter months. Uh, but I would say uh, I, I'm all about uh, experiences. And so um, some of the more favorite memorable wines, uh, when I look back at it, it's who I was drinking it with. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mentioned the 66 Lafitte that I had last year. It was amazing. Uh, I experienced the wine that lived and died in the span of 27 minutes. Um, and you have to think back and think about the people that harvested that wine, uh, the, the cork that had to be made structurally sound so that it can age for 55 years. Uh, all of those come to play, right? Um, who's still around from that vintage? Uh, and then when I pull out from all of that, I think about who I had it with and it was me and two other folks. And we told stories that night and we also experienced, you know, a bottle of cognac from 1812 and it was a family, uh, cognac. And, you know, that's really what made those beverages special. It was who I was with and why we were having them. Um, and so I, I often seek out those types of wines that, that are going to leave me with a story uh, as much as they're going to leave a, a beautiful presence on my palate. If you enjoyed these stories, please give us a follow on Instagram at bta.podcast and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.